Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about sustainable and ESG investing from leaders in the field. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. Today, we're going to learn about the various stages that companies go through to align their ESG principles with one or more of the accepted reporting frameworks. Nidhi Chada is the founder and CEO of Enzo Advisors, a firm that helps companies build best-in-class ESG business models. This female-founded, minority-owned firm embodies the same principles it advises other companies to follow in focusing on its stakeholders while also giving back to the local community. Chada is a member of the Forbes Business Council with over 20 years of experience in the world of corporate finance, and I'm very glad that we were able to get in on her busy schedule for today's conversation. Hello, Nidhi, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Thank you, Paul, for the opportunity. It's really great to be here. And as we at Enzo Advisors are nearing our two-year anniversary, I also wanted to take a minute to thank my fellow colleagues, clients, and partners for believing in our vision and supporting our early days of growth. And to your point, we absolutely embody the principles that we ask our clients to build into their businesses. Our vision since we launched um, has always been to support companies at the earlier stage of their growth. And in support of the No Kid Hungry program to provide meals to children during the pandemic, we had hosted a webinar fundraiser covering how to help entrepreneurs and young businesses to navigate through the challenges of COVID-19. Thanks to everyone's support, we raised enough money to provide 10,000 meals to children during the COVID pandemic at the very launch of our firm. So yes, absolutely, we embody the principles that we preach. That's fantastic. Congratulations to you and your team, Nidhi, and we all know how important teamwork is in our industry, right? So let's move on to our questions for investors and advisors, um, because they're following the developments of the SEC's climate disclosure guidelines, just like all the rest of us are. And they know that it's no longer enough to just communicate about sustainability initiatives. Firms across all sectors of the economy have to develop a transparent and credible plan to support that message. So how can they begin this process? As background, Paul, it might be helpful to just provide a quick overview of the proposal. So about two weeks ago, the SEC proposed groundbreaking rules intended to standardize climate-related disclosure for public companies. And broadly speaking, these new rules are aligned with the TCFD framework, Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. And these rules would be the first time that SEC has mandated companies to report their greenhouse gas emissions, along with providing details on how risks can impact their strategy and their overall business outlook. This would even include disclosure around oversight, as well as governance of climate-related risks. And this disclosure would provide consistent, comparable, and reliable information to investors to enable them to make informed judgments. So in summary, the quick takeaways are, A, the company would be required to report uh, greenhouse gas emissions scope one and indirect emissions scope two, such as purchase electricity. Indirect emissions scope three from upstream and downstream activities across the value chain would also be required if emissions are deemed material or the company has set emissions targets, including scope three. And reporting scope one and two would be done in a phase-in schedule based on the size of the company. The compliance dates will vary based on the size and the filing status, and the largest companies would be required to report as early as fiscal 2023. And if there is any transaction plan adopted as part of risk management or any scenario analysis that's conducted, 
that would also be required to be uh, incorporated as well. And there should also be any disclosure of climate targets that the company has set, such as net zero goals, or a description of how the company plans to meet and uh, track and measure progress. And what we have seen, and this is largely um, dependent upon the type of company, but not only does it apply to public companies and IPOs, but there are implications that need to be accounted for for private companies as well. So for example, most registrants will be required to disclose their scope three greenhouse gas emissions if they are material or included in an emissions uh, reduction target or goal. And therefore, if private companies are part of the value chain, they also may be required by their customers to report on this. And private companies may also need to collect data and develop technologies and governance strategies accordingly to support scope three emissions reporting. So what does this mean for companies? And for starters, we know that disclosure is imminent. So first, companies need to understand climate risks in the short, medium, and long term. This means quantifying, benchmarking greenhouse gas emissions and assessing the physical and transitional impact of climate change. It also may mean creating a documented risk assessment process, potentially including scenario analysis. Two, companies will need to translate climate risks into bottom line impact. And this is something embedded into our own framework. This includes risk of stranding, obsolescence, and compliance costs. Three, companies setting climate-related goals will also need to clearly document targets, milestones, performance metrics. And given the direction that we are moving towards, what can companies do now? Where do they begin that process? Well, first, you want to evaluate your greenhouse gas emissions reporting readiness. Understand your data collection process. Review and consider all avenues of improvement. The emissions calculation is predicated upon your internal data collection, and this is very critical for future auditing. Second, you're going to want to look at the governance structure around climate. Who in the organization is responsible for tracking and monitoring climate risks and their associated financial impact? And is the board or management adequately prepared for making these decisions? Three, thinking holistically about climate risk and implications. This is not just about calculating inventory of greenhouse gas emissions, but big picture, considering from a strategic and business model standpoint, what are the implications? How is risk managed? What are the possible scenarios that can happen? How can they be quantified? As part of our own integrated climate strategy framework that is aligned with TCFD, we help a company develop a strategy that not only can credibly achieve net zero, but think through and quantify both physical and transition risks and help companies think through all the new opportunities that could arise in a changing landscape. Four, you want to look at evaluating your current processes and invest in resources. Now is the time for thinking about investing in resources and infrastructure and thinking about opportunities for improvement. Evaluate the options that are right for you in providing that transparency. It could be the EPA calculator, a SASB platform, or frankly, even hiring a third-party advisor. Find a product and platform that is not just a black box and make sure that documentation is critical. To produce consistent data, we need the transparency and credibility underlying data collection. And lastly, evaluating the decarbonization pathways to improve emissions. So as we get more transparency around greenhouse gas emissions, the goal is really to identify operational efficiencies to drive down emissions. And that's largely for the uh, companies in terms of what they need to do next. Investors, on the other hand, should be spending the time to get ramped up on greenhouse gas emissions and just the basics around disclosure. This is the time to think about and incorporate climate risk analysis into your investment work, particularly as it pertains to more carbon intensive industries. 
And as we see more and more impending disclosure, expect more discussions around how climate risk is being priced into, into the market. One of the tools that we have launched recently is to measure climate risk into uh, equity analysis. And it allows you to better incorporate climate risk into bear case scenarios for any stock analysis. And it's something that we can follow up afterwards for the listeners who are interested. Okay, so we've been talking about the company implications and the expectations around the SEC regulations. You've touched a little bit on what investors should be expecting. What else are investors going to be facing? So just for example, as a former advisor uh, to investors, um, I think it's really important for the financial advisor community to, to be just as educated as their investor clients. What's your position on that? Absolutely. This is the time to get educated more broadly on the actual greenhouse gas emissions rules and what the SEC is likely to mandate, uh, particularly as we are thinking about the risk side of the equation. Uh, this is not only relevant to the financial advisors who are managing portfolios and they need to get a better understanding of how climate could impact a portfolio more broadly, but even for pension funds and other institutional investors who are investing in the managers and they need to understand what are the processes that these managers are incorporating into their work as well. So this has multiple ramifications across the board. And it all starts with the financial institutions and the investors in terms of just understanding the disclosure headed their way and what's going to be most material for making the right decisions. Great. Well, that's, that's helpful, very helpful, I'm sure, for the advisor community. Nidhi, tell us about the holistic ESG data intelligence platform that Enzo Advisors has created to support your clients in this whole process. Well, there are so many tools and resources out there for both companies and investors to consider. And in the context of constantly evolving regulatory landscape, it is so difficult for any company or investor to know what resource is optimal for their needs. So when we refer to a holistic data intelligence platform, we are referring to providing clients with a credible, transparent roadmap. And that has two, four parts. One, setting the strategy and initial roadmap. Two, tracking the relevant KPIs. Three, identifying strategic initiatives to improve upon those KPIs. And four, monitoring progress. So with the constantly evolving regulatory landscape, it's important to always be evaluating this data in context of working with a technology provider who can actually provide the transparency around tracking and monitoring the data. And this real-time information becomes critical to the overall decision-making process. We work with our technology providers to help clients both track and monitor progress against these KPIs using a very easy-to-use technology data platform. Think of it as having a dashboard whereby companies and investors could continue to visualize their KPIs, update the data over time, and review progress. And as we are tracking progress using our technology partners' platforms, we continue to monitor and advise our clients regarding their roadmap and external reporting and communication strategy. So it's essentially a very iterative process. The best part of the process is that the client has full transparency over all the data, and especially as we think about developing a net zero strategy, it's very critical where there's a lot of data collection involved that all those numbers can be verified. And this is a very distinct approach in terms of just working holistically with the data uh, platform that is in tangent with a uh, technology provider who is able to provide real-time data and getting that feedback allows us to make the best decisions possible in a very uh, quickly evolving landscape. Terrific. Okay. So 
you can talk to people who want to follow up with you more about that platform. But at the moment, can you give us examples of strategies that you've helped companies build for achieving environmental objectives like net zero emissions and diversity and inclusion initiatives for measuring progress against social goals? Well, we were recently engaged with a billion-dollar public company that was supplying hardware into the oil and gas industry. And that company was coming under increasing pressure from both customers and major shareholders to report greenhouse gas emissions and disclose their energy transition plans. So using our beyond-the-scope integrated climate strategy framework, we were able to, one, assist in calculating their carbon footprint from scope one to scope three in just a matter of six months. Second, we were able to develop decarbonization initiatives to align with the 1.5 degree scenario. And lastly, report against the TCFD framework such that every reference about strategy, risk, governance is all backed by a review of the company's underlying processes. And we incorporate all initiatives um, under consideration. And that is all incorporated into the TCFD framework that is reported externally. One mutual fund manager actually called this process the best in class in the industry. So in this particular case, we identified several decarbonization initiatives. The most impactful one happened to be incorporating renewables into a particular facility, which we recognized after calculating their greenhouse gas emissions footprint, that this was the opportunity to drive down emissions. And by switching to renewables and running a cost-benefit analysis on all the various options that were available, and this includes even investing in new equipment to uh, support um, or to deal with a refrigerant leakage, we decided that the best approach would be to invest in renewables for this facility, switch contracts, and this would allow the company to align with the 1.5 degree scenario. And that's broadly where the science-based target initiative is headed as well. And lastly, on our reporting, it's largely emphasized on looking at external communication and making sure that that external communication is backed by a credible plan. Any risk, strategy, governance process, and every greenhouse gas emissions number we put in, into play here with respect to the customer is always validated and it's always backed by a plan. So we wanna make sure that we not only are able to qualitatively assess risk, but understand the impact from a quantitative standpoint. So generally speaking, as we work with clients, and this was definitely one of the most challenging ones where we're knee deep in energy energy transition and being able to build their program from scratch within six months, it just emphasizes the importance of having that transparency and credibility from the ground up to develop that strategy. And switching gears to diversity and inclusion, another extremely important topic, there's plenty of academic research that we have seen out there in terms of identifying how DEI initiatives drive innovation and value creation over the long term. But in our work across DEI, we have recognized that companies are still in their early days of establishing these practices that could really impact the long-term competitive advantage of a business. There's so much discussion about DEI, Paul, but very little progress. Human social capital are, is a definite long-term driver and better retention, less turnover, along with employee engagement are all driving revenue, but they can also help manage costs when it comes to improving turnover and improving cost of capital over time because you have less business volatility. So there is a link between DEI and long-term value creation. So what we decided to do was in, in, incorporate a diversity scorecard. It's essentially an assessment tool that can be applied to both public and private companies. And it looks at uh, D, their DEI practices. But it's not just starting with the representation on race and gender and looking at the statistics, but it's actually built upon going more uh, into more complex to topics, such as uh, looking at recruitment, hiring, retention, employee engagement, and even supply chain assessment. 
And the entire scorecard is built on a very detailed and comprehensive comparison, looking at leading public and private market standards. So every one of these categories has metrics attached to it, and we customize the scorecard accordingly. And what we found is that although most companies from our work are able to demonstrate statistics on the race and the gender, where companies are falling short are having plans on driving retention, improving uh, turnover statistics, and also on the supply chain side. So we've been seeing more and more programs being announced with respect to companies hoping to build in DEI efforts across their supply chain, which is equally as relevant as thinking about the e-initiative. So it's great to see some early days of progress on that, and we try to provide transparency in those plans as well. Nitty, you mentioned that the the first company you referenced is, was, you said it was a billion-dollar company. Now, uh, for, for most people, billion dollars is a lot of money, right? But many companies are much, much larger than that. And in fact, a billion-dollar company would probably be considered a small or mid-sized company in terms of our overall economy. Those types, those size companies have been uh, pushing back on uh, reporting around ESG data and metrics for many years now, just from the standpoint that they just don't have the staff, they don't have the time, it interrupts their business processes. What are you finding uh, the longer term value creation part, other side of that argument is when companies really dig in and start going through the data very carefully with someone like you. What typically happens in those situations, Paul, is that companies will start on their journey uh, with respect to launching on ESG initiatives. Oftentimes, the conversation starts with, well, we need to report on SASB or GRI, and how do we get there? As they realize, and we look at the KPIs according to both the environmental and social initiatives, and they realize that they have gaps versus their peers and the industry, it gets them more engaged to want to do something and to have a true impact. Uh, most of these companies recognize the importance of ESG but they recognize that it's also a long-term game. And in order to really have value and to drive and these initiatives, they need to invest in the time and resources, both on the environmental and social side. The environmental side, because of the SEC climate risk proposal, we are now in a situation where these companies have no choice but to think about the plan that I outlined earlier. And with that, um, because they are investing and thinking about their carbon footprinting, they are also very engaged to finding ways to improve the emission side. More from a net zero versus even a carbon neutrality standpoint with offsets. So we are seeing a greater engagement overall. And on the social side, uh, same point where we have early days of data collection on statistics, but not necessarily a DEI framework. And one of the clients that we actually uh, referenced um, or work with uh, more recently, we actually had built a uh, not only an environmental plan, but we worked with them on social initiatives. And as they were working with us and looking at their KPIs on the S side of the equation, they recognized that their plans on retention and hiring were rather weak, and they wanted to improve that. So over the course of the year, they actually independently started thinking about how they could improve uh, retention and hiring and drive engagement. And they went from launching one community program to launching at uh, least six within one year. So that just shows impact. And this is, you know, for an industry that is more carbon intensive and an industry on the industrial side of the equation where you wouldn't think that social was going to be as relevant as it turned out to be. And it became top of mind for management. Okay, well, that's an excellent example of uh, how longer term thinking, I think, makes a difference. Let's move on to another topic. You're a part in a partnership with 
MZ North America, a global investors relations firm, to create a suite of ESG advisory services for corporations around the world. Tell us a little bit more about the guidelines of that project. The focus of our partnership with MZ is to provide ESG advisory services largely for small, mid-cap, and private companies, which is very much aligned with our focus. MZ also offers an ESG IQ platform, which also further enhances our ability to provide a holistic data intelligence platform. And oftentimes, as you rightly noted, Paul, smaller companies have less resources, bandwidth, and budget to launch these comprehensive programs or hire a sustainability officer. So our goal is to help establish that roadmap and create an infrastructure that companies can manage and track their own progress against all their ESG initiatives. And MZ found that a number of their clients were still very early in their ESG journeys, but they faced so many challenges in terms of developing accurate carbon footprinting, defining a decarbonization strategy, tracking ESG-focused KPIs, and even overall just external reporting and communication. So our broad set of ESG advisory services, as well as the depth of expertise we've had in launching both environmental social initiatives, fits nicely with MZ's focus as on investor relations uh, for that asset class. And part of being uh, part of the investor relations arm for a company, it involves not only understanding of ESG and helping companies understand it, but developing the messaging around sustainability. And being able to work with a partner that helps provide credibility to that messaging is very critical for MZ as well. So it's not just enough for companies to say that they are doing a certain ESG initiative or they want to achieve a certain target or goal, but they need to have a plan to support that messaging. And that's what investors will focus in on. Otherwise, they will be considered greenwashing. So Enzo Advisors Beyond the Scope uh, Integrated Climate Strategy Framework is one example of where we can help clients, uh, particularly for MZ, message their route to net zero. But it also helps them not only uh, develop a plan, but also have a credit, have the credibility and complete transparency to say they can achieve those goals. And that aligns with the overall TCFD framework as well. And unlike many public relations companies that are willing to write CSR reports and message the story, what they lack is the expertise to support clients with that credibility and the ability to develop a plan to achieve those targets and message that externally. That's what distinguishes us today, and that is what is so unique about the partnership with MZ. Okay. Now, we have about 60 seconds left in our conversation today, so give us a couple of examples of ESG integration KPIs that companies are using in different sectors of the global economy. The good news is, Paul, that uh, companies are very excited to be aligned with UN Sustainable Development Goals. And how they get aligned with that uh, tends to be focused on looking at ESG frameworks and finding the right KPIs that not only link with their business model, but also resonate with the ESG frameworks. And we've seen a number of examples, both on environmental and social initiatives, whereby these KPIs are becoming more and more top of mind. And they're also relevant from a sustainable financing standpoint as well. So we actually have an impact database library that uh, links some of these ESG frameworks to KPIs. And we've seen a host of examples across industrials, consumer, technology companies, and that have been incorporating this into their ESG, overall ESG messaging. And some of the examples that we have in, uh, seen on the environmental side uh, have been anything from looking at water management, water efficiency, to looking at waste management, uh, looking at percent products that are tied to recyclability, and even percent revenue tied to products with nutritional health benefits. On the social side, we've seen a lot more statistics tied to uh, diversity at the employee leadership level, workplace health and safety, and even turnover and retention, as I mentioned earlier. But in some cases, we'll even 
even see KPIs not only just linked to ESG frameworks, but tied to business outcomes. We see this often in healthcare, where KPIs could be linked to patient outcomes or accessibility to healthcare across certain geographies or certain demographics. Um, so broadly speaking, you know, the KPIs are becoming top of mind for both companies and investors and a great way to measure and track progress. That's great that uh, that you're supporting the use of the SDGs in that process, and I know a lot more consultancies and uh, data companies are doing that now, and I'm really pleased to see that that's happening, so congratulations on that. Nidhi, where online can our listeners learn more about Enzo Advisors, and how can they get in touch with you about the topics that we discussed on today's program? For our listeners today, if you wish to learn more about how to integrate ESG principles into your investment process or across your portfolio companies, whether you want to achieve a credible plan to net zero or set up a diversity and inclusion scorecard, feel free to reach out to us at info at enzoadvisorsllc.com. And we are happy to set up a brief consultation to walk you through this and answer any questions, as well as feel free to reach out to me directly at nidhi, N-I-D-H-I at enzoadvisorsllc.com as well. And more information can be found on our website, EnzoAdvisorsLLC.com. Thanks again, Paul, for the opportunity. Sure. And Nidhi, if you have any specific links that you'd like us to attach to the program in the Bright Talk channel, please uh, forward those to us and we'll, we'll attach them. So thanks again, Nidhi Chada. Nidhi is the founder and CEO at Enzo Advisors, LLC. And for our listeners, tune in again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Mm-hmm.